Hello there, and welcome to the Unfuck Your Biz with Brayden podcast, a show to encourage and empower creative CEOs just like yourself through actionable legal, tax, and financial topics. I'm Brayden Drake, an author, lawyer, tax pro, and educator, but you can just call me Brayden, your gay best friend, here to help you unfuck that biz. If you're ready to dive in, grab a notebook, maybe some coffee, and buckle in to learn how you can implement solid strategies to build a profitable business. Well, hello, friend, and welcome back to the podcast. As always, this is your host, Brayden. And today we have a fun, different bonus episode for you. Um, the rest of this episode is going to be a recording from session one of the live masterclass we did today, which was titled The Most Common Legal and Tax Mistakes at Each Stage of Business and How You Can Avoid Them. Um, I taught on the class for about the first 50 minutes. And in the last 10 minutes, I shared all about our brand new, brand new ish program, Unfuck Your Biz. Uh, we launched this about four times through 2020 and 2021. And then we went to teaching Profit RX, our membership. It's essentially the same content we've had on Profit RX for the past couple of years now. So if you've thought about joining Profit RX, uh, now you would want to join Unfuck Your Biz. Profit RX did not go away. We're just kind of pivoting it to be more of an ongoing membership for people after they unfuck their biz. So you join the program for all of the tax and legal setup, and then you can join ProfitRx after for the ongoing maintenance. So that is the new structure, the new curriculum. If you want to learn all the things, listen to the whole episode. If you really just want the sales pitch, I totally get that. If you're short on time and you're just like, what's Braden selling? I might be interested in joining. Um, skip to probably about the 50 minute marker of the episode, and that'll probably get you there. So that is all. Um, enjoy, enjoy the recording. Beautiful. We're now recording. You all probably got that really fun Zoom pop-up message they started doing a year ago for you to approve the recording. Um, to everyone watching the recording, welcome. Everyone that's here, thank you very much. If you don't have your camera turned on, please do so if you're able to. I'm not going to strong arm you into it, but um, it's always helpful for me because I pay attention to your faces so I can see when people start to get really bored. We can change subjects. I can see when you're like really excited about a particular tax topic and we can stay on the same subject. So I asked everyone where they're listening from, what their business is, and also why they're here. Tiffany found you because I was updating my client contracts. Oh, beautiful. Did you buy the contract club, Tiffany? Where's Tiffany? Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. And, and that's been going well? Yes. Okay, great. Love that. Um, Brandy, Oklahoma event and wedding planner. Love it. All right. So we're going to go ahead and dive in. And we will do a screen share. Now, we have a fairly good sized group. So try to keep yourself muted throughout the presentation. Uh, if we hear any like noises, any um, crying babies, any people having conversations, don't worry about it. That's life. But Connie will just mute you. So then if you have a question later, just make sure that you unmute yourself. Um, but do, do, do please feel free to post questions throughout the chat. And then if I have a follow-up question, I might ask you to come off of mute so that I can better answer your question or ask you for follow-up information, okay? Um, I like to keep my presentations fairly loosely structured. We want to get through all the content, but if everyone has a lot of questions on, you know, bullet point two out of three, we'll spend the most of our time there because the other bullets might not be as relevant for you all. And we want this to be as relevant as possible. Okay, screen share. So we are talking about the most common legal and tax mistakes at each stage of business and how we can avoid them. So give me a second here to open up my chat, 
get my 15 windows open. All right, great. Can you all see the Zoom screen? Okay, give me a or the slides. Give me a thumbs up. Okay, beautiful. So I'm going to show you how you can make the ultimate shift from struggling to manage your business gremlins, like the finances and legalities, to creating ease, automation, and peace of mind. Hopefully that sounds good. This is one of our business gremlins. His name is Mansplain Michael. We have names for all of them to, you know, kind of put names and faces to some of the fun clients that we all may be working with on a day, hopefully not a day to day. Stay with me until the end, and I'll give you the opportunity to get your hands on a special bonus I just added to my signature program, which will help you implement these systems. All right, you are in the right place if. So as we go through these, let me know in the comments which one of these you think you are. So stage one, you're in year one of business. Maybe you probably have no prior business experience, not expecting to gross more than $25,000. These folks will often tell me, you know, I just like don't even know what to Google because this is also new to me. Do we have any stage one folks? Caleb, okay, got a couple more. Brianne, okay, great, welcome. EJ, all right, beautiful. Stage two, you're one to three years in business. You're in the twenty-five to maybe $75,000 range. You maybe have a contractor or two working with you. Uh, and then I'll also say that folks are stage one if they're coming from like a full-time job or they're gonna bring like a full book of business with them uh, into their business. So these folks will say, I'm growing, but I don't know if I'm going in the right direction. How do I get off the WTF happen to my money hamster wheel? We're going to talk about that one more later. Uh, and I'm not sure at this point what I needed to legally protect in my, my, protect my business. You're at the point where you've validated your business, you have clients, so you know that it's growing, uh, and you just want some verification that you're going in the right direction. Do we have any stage two folks? Stage two. Okay, beautiful. Bethany, Ryan, welcome. Wonderful. All right, stage three. Uh, seventy-five dollars to $150,000 in revenue. You may have several contractors in your business, maybe even an employee or two. Folks here will often say things like, my income is now pretty consistent, but how do I start to streamline? Or, oh shit, I'm paying a lot in taxes because this is where our tax bracket starts to really ramp up and it really feels like you're sending a lot of money to the IRS. Where are our stage three folks? Okay, Stephanie, great. And then stage four, uh, we get into the multi six figures, it's time to hire, things are looking great from the outside, but you're running out of time, like you have more clients now than you have time, uh, and you really need to start to up level and implement some strategies, build your team in order to have time to sleep at night and do the things that you want to do. Any stage four people here? Okay, Liz, so we got some in every stage. So you're all uh, in the right place, and we are here to support you. So welcome. Meet your instructor. We'll keep this one brief. Most of you probably already know me. Uh, if you don't, I am. Hi, I'm. Hi, I'm Braden. Everybody, I'm a California licensed attorney. I have a master's degree in tax law, and I also am a business owner, just <laughs> like you. As a fun photo of me and my husband from several years ago. Um, he is now better known as the Honorable Judge Leonard Trin here in San Diego, former prosecutor. We have our puppies, my cookware collection. And usually if we're not like both running or exercising, we're like on the couch, just watching Netflix with our dogs. We're not like that, you know, those like hiking people and camping people. That's not us. It's just like, we run on asphalt. We take naps in the air conditioning. That's the vibe. Maybe you can relate. I don't know. Okay. Um, 
350 plus podcasts and speaking events, 1500 enrolled students. I share this mostly just so that you know, at this point, we've heard it all. Um, I think Connie and Bree and maybe Emily, uh, all my team members that are here can tell you that pretty much nothing surprises us when we talk to a business owner when it comes to tax debt, ways that people have messed up their business structure, like just things that have gone wrong. Why? Uh, because most of us don't know what, most of us don't know what we're doing when we're starting a business, and no one really gives us a handbook. So we just kind of have to figure it out as we go. Um, so we have heard all the stories, and we are here to help you. Okay. All right. Can you imagine what it will feel like once you just know what's going on with your business without relying on third parties to keep you up to speed? I'm talking about legal, tax, and money stuff. This is the clarity that we want for all of you to have. And do you believe that you must have a handle on your business financials and legal details to be the CEO and grow a healthy, profitable business? Like who's on board with this one? You all follow me? Okay, good. I see some, see some affirming head nods, which we like. All right, so where we're going, this is gonna be our roadmap here. Uh, one, we're gonna talk about the layers of protection, two, money systems, three, number tracking, four, CEO money mindset. So these are CEO mindset, not money mindset. These are our four kind of pillars we're going to work through. Um, that's going to take us about the next 30-ish to 40 minutes. Then we're going to spend about 10 minutes uh, inviting you into my signature program. So that's the sales pitch portion of this masterclass. If you're looking forward to that, get excited. And then we'll wrap it up at the top of the hour, towards the top of the hour with Q&A. And I'll stay on as long as we need to, to answer all the questions. All right. If you have any questions as we go, put them in the chat. Um, but if you have any that you want to ask at the end, just make sure you note them down so you don't forget. All right. So number one, so this is mistake number one, not implementing the layers of protection. Each and every business is unique. It's about how many layers you need to keep your biz out of hot water and or how many layers you need to sleep well at night. Um, Caleb, you were in the book club. Was anyone else here in the book club that we did a few weeks ago for the book? I'll say, because Caleb should know the answer to this question. If anyone else is in the book club, you should know also. But for those of you who don't know, what would you guess are the layers of protection we're going to talk about? Let us know in the chat. Layers of legal protection. There are four. We're going to talk about four. I know y'all got some ideas. Okay. All right. Business registration insurance. All right. Beautiful. There's one. Maybe. Okay. LLC. Yep. Yep. We have two contracts. Three. Great. We're really just missing one. Okay. You're all on it though. Okay. So the essentials. So these are the essentials that I think are, so we call them the essentials because you need them at every stage in business. So these are the things, if you came to me and you're like, Brayden, I'm going to start this business. I don't really know if it's going to pan out. I don't want to spend a lot of money um, because I just want to make sure that I'm legally protected in worst case scenario. And then a year from now, if I know I'm going to do this in the long run, we're going to implement all the things. But what should I do now? Answer, solid contracts and insurance. So that's why we have the contract club for $30. It really helps people get started and then go talk to an insurance agent to get your insurance. So those are the two most important things. So do we all have these two things or we're at least working on them? Yeah. Okay, great. Beautiful. Beautiful. And they can always be improved, right? We can update our insurance policy anytime our business substantially grows or changes. 
And we should have new contracts for every new service offer, every new person we hire, every new thing we do, right? So think about this um, hypothetical. This email hits your inbox. This potential, this client says, I'm pissed, expect a lawsuit within two weeks. Obviously, if you ever got an email, it'd probably be a lot longer than this, or this would be the email you got after a series of emails. How are you feeling? Let us know in the chat box. How are you feeling right now if you got this email? Maybe some of you have had this email in uh, in real life before. So EJ says scared. Yeah, I would say stressed, anxious, probably. Emily, crying in the fetal position. Uh-huh. Yeah, I hear that one a lot too. Okay. Uh, this email, fuck. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. All right. So think about the possibility that you can have this response. Well, per my contract, you know, insert, I don't owe you this money. Like, I don't have to provide you the service. You're not entitled to X, but go ahead and send over the lawsuit, right? Go ahead and send over, you know, your complaint, whatever. I'll get it over to my insurance company. And then you, you call and you file a claim with your insurance company and your insurance agent is like, I got you. Send me your contract so I can see what we're working with. I'll talk to the insurance attorney. Um, you know, we'll defend you. We're going to implement your contract. Worst case scenario, you have your LLC to fall back on. Uh, so are you feeling a little bit better now that you know you have all of this? Maybe you're still stressed, but hopefully we've risen up out of the fetal position, you know, taken a walk around the block, caught our breath, and, and we're ready to roll, right? Ready to rumble. Okay. So this is what this is really this slide really just exemplifies what the power of the power of insurance and a good contract can do for you. They're there to protect you in the worst case scenario. So now our third layer of protection is business entities. So these are our LLCs, um, LLCs, corporations. For most of us, LLCs, they provide protection for our personal assets. So if our insurance doesn't cover us or, you know, they run out of the cap and someone wants to get a lien against our personal property, the LLC is going to prevent that in certain circumstances and shield your personal assets from this lawsuit. LLCs aren't very sexy. Um, you know, hopefully we never, ever need them, but they're really an extra form of insurance or an added layer of protection. So I talk about these layers of protection, like layers of clothing, the more layers you have on in the cold, the more protected and comfortable you and your business are going to be. All right. Fourth layer. Did anyone ever get our fourth layer? I don't know. When I'm scrolling up, I don't think so. Any, any more guesses as to what it is now that we've gotten a few in? I know somebody knows it. Caleb, do you remember? No? Okay. I'm just calling to call people out, Socratic method. You've all seen Legally Blonde, right? Where Elle gets kicked out of class. I won't boot any of you off the Zoom call. You didn't have a signed reading. Don't worry about it. Okay. Um. Oh, we're not even there yet. Oh, yeah. Worst case scenario, your insurance handles your claim, your rate goes up, and your LLC provides backup. That's not, you know, too terrible of a scenario. Did anyone watch Trixie Motel on Discovery Plus? You recognize this photo? Have one head nod. All right, go check it out, everybody. It was fabulous. Okay, so the, these are the immediate layers, intermediate layers, so the business entity. And then our fourth layer was intellectual property, so trademarks and copyrights. So this is trademarking your name so that you have protection and rights over it. And then that also protects you, know, you from people coming after you for trademark infringement, also copywriting our content. We're not going to spend much time there. Um, but if you all have questions about that, we can we can answer them. All right. 
So mistake number two is not focusing on profit through a comprehensive cash flow system. So a quick personal story on the W, I call this the WTF happened to my money hamster wheel. So let me know in the chat if any of you relate to this as we talk about it. So this, this is what happens when you, you start your business in your first year of business and you're like, okay, well, I need really need to get a Zoom account. Like I can pay for that. It's $15 a month, right? For unlimited Zoom account. And then I really need, I really need a sauna. And someone told me that I need HoneyBook and that's all $100 a month, which isn't like a lot, but it is a lot when you don't have any clients yet. But then you're like, well, I need this other software and I really should sign up for this course. So you get your first client and you sign up for the thing and you're like, that's fine because it's a business investment. But then six months later, you get a few more clients and you finally buy your camera. And then six months later, you get a few more clients and you finally buy your computer. And then the next year, you go to a $5,000 conference. And the next year, you join a $10,000 mastermind. And none of these things are bad. But the point is, we get into like our second, third year of business. We go to file our taxes. We do our bookkeeping. And we're like, oh, shit. Yeah, I made like $60,000 last year. But I don't feel like I made any money. Where did all my money go? It's what happens when we allow our income or we allow our expenses to match our income, meaning the more we make, the more we spend, and we never take time to actually prioritize paying ourselves. Can any of you relate to this? Because I know this was me in like my full first three years of business. This is why I think if have any of you read the book Profit First, or you're at least familiar with it? Yeah, this is why I think that book just blew it out of the water because the concept's pretty simple. He says, you need to pay yourself first and whatever money is left over is the money for your expenses. So most of us prioritize expenses and then we pay ourselves the leftovers, but we always find more things that we need to buy. And then there's very little leftover, right? So you, you got to flip the script on that. Okay. So we want to get off the hamster wheel. Okay, good. Fayana. Um, oh, you have it. Haven't read it yet. I really like the audiobook of that one is really good. Um, if you're like me and you struggle to like actually read things. Brandy says, this is very much where I am and uh, details, detail. Oh, Mariah, I feel this. Okay, good. Not alone. So when do we see this mistake? So we have Christy here, former student of ours in uh, our signature program. Christy streamlined her cash flow to get her taxes, expenses, and payments in order within her different businesses. She also caught up on past tax returns. About 20% of our students are behind on taxes. So in addition to overspending on business expenses, we're not paying our taxes. And so we have to come up with a comprehensive solution to fix that. Oh, Fayana, great. Love that. Uh, all right. Emily uh, used this system to get herself and her three associate photographers on payroll. So by system, we're talking about the, the cash flow system we are about to start talking about. So the why, why have a comprehensive cash flow system? Well, it can get us off that hamster wheel we talked about. It can help us operate like a real company. I'm curious, what is you all think like what does what do you think of when I say operate like a real company? What does that mean? I think I went on a little bit of a tangent about this on one of our book club meetings, but I said we often think about we think about you know people who go get this venture capital money and they have like tech startups and they're gonna you know get all this money and pay themselves a salary and then they have distribution. Uh, they pay themselves distributions. Fayana says someone, uh, someone, something with systems is what a real company is. But the way I want you to all think about it is the joke that I made is I work with a lot of people who have been in business for five plus years and they make even several hundred thousand dollars and they have a few employees and they pay themselves a healthy salary, but they, they hop on an airplane and they sit beside a stranger 
and someone asked them what they do and they're like oh you know I just you know I do like wedding planning and my free time or whatever they introduce themselves in a way that's belittling of what they do but meanwhile you'll meet like uh, a man who came with the came up with the business idea and like wrote it on a napkin at a bar last night with his friend and he's going to tell you that he has a tech startup company, right? <laughs> so it, mat it matters what we call ourselves. Uh, and having a good cash flow system is going to help us operate like a real company um, that pays ourselves a salary and a distribution. That's what I mean. Yeah, EJ, all the sexy fun details, all the not sexy fun details are handled. Yes. And then it's also going to help us transition into an S-corp as well, which is a fun thing. Do we have any S-corp owners here? Okay, one. I see one, Tiffany. Okay, beautiful. Some of you are any of you wondering like what is that and what does it mean and when do I need it? Liz says escort pending. Escort pending meaning like you've already applied for it and you're just waiting to hear back from the IRS. Yeah. Okay, great. Beautiful. All right. So it's all about our client to piggy bank pipeline. So think about your cash flow. When I say cash flow, that might mean something different for all of you, but here's what I mean when I say cash flow system. So money comes from client, right? You hire a client hires you, they're going to pay you money. And then that money is going to make its way through this pipeline that you can imagine. It's going to pay some business expenses. It's going to pay all your overhead bank processing fees. So that's like money falling out of your pipeline to pay these expenses, right? And it's going to hit your business bank account. So maybe a lot of money comes into your business bank account and starts to fall out of the pipeline there. And then the money somehow is going gonna, is gonna to make it into your personal bank account. That's this little piggy. So the pipeline is the whole journey. Maybe we have another arrow beside our piggy, and then we have our retirement account. We have a 401, a 401k is a retirement, <laughs> retirement account. We have student loans could be the end of the road for some of this money, a mortgage, a savings to buy a house. That is your pipeline. So how is the money getting from point A to point Z? Well, this is the system. So if some of you have read Profit First, some of this will be familiar. This is kind of my own spin, uh, similar system, but kind of simplified because I find personally that that process is a little bit overkill for a lot of folks. For, so first, all the money comes into your business bank account. Does everyone here have a business bank account? Because that is for sure our starting point. We want to put all of our money in our business bank account, not a personal bank account because co-mingling co our money is a nightmare. Okay, everyone says yes. Beautiful. Um, I also work with a lot of drag queens, and this tends to be a much bigger issue for them. Like they just get piles of cash and like carry it around in tote bags. And then whenever they do deposit it, they just put it on their personal account and it's a nightmare. So let's not do that. Okay. So all the money goes into your business account. We call that your income account. All right. So this is your income account. And then what we do is I teach people to automate their tax savings. So specifically their income tax savings. Um, yes, online business accounts are totally valid and a thing. The account that I actually recommend for folks is a bank account called Novo. Reason being is that they have automations integrated in their bank account. So what we teach in our program is we would actually calculate what we call your tax savings percentage. So between federal income tax, state income tax, and um, self-employment tax, what percentage of your overall business income do you need to be saving? If it's 17%, we would set up an automation so that every time money comes into your business bank account, 17% is automatically saved and allocated to income tax. Sales tax is a little bit different if you have to collect it because that's not so much a percentage as it, it is a dollar amount. So if you've collected 
$100 over the past week in sales tax, you need to manually move $100 into your sales tax account. That money you do not want to spend. It is not your money. The government doesn't like it when you spend their money. They penalize you for that. Okay, we don't want to do that. So that's step one, all right? Um, step two, you are going to move some money into a salary account. And we automate this as well. So salary, we also can call this owner's pay. So we call it salary if you have an S-corp. We call it owner's pay if you don't have an S-corp because non-S-corp owners don't take salaries. So we move money into a salary account using a percentage method, just like we do with tax. And then from there, we are going to move a dollar amount from your salary account to your personal account on a regular recurring basis. So I run payroll in my company on the 15th and the last day of each month. That's when I pay myself. I pay myself a set dollar amount, just like you know we would get if we worked for anybody else. And that's what I recommend that you all do. So a big question I get asked is, why do we move a percentage of our income into this this kind of this this uh, middleman of a bank account into the salary account, and then a dollar amount into our personal? How many of you would say that your businesses are somewhat seasonal? Even if you're not like closed in a particular season, but you have up seasons and you have down seasons. Can I pick on you, Stephanie? Can you raise your hand first? Remind us what you do and tell us about the seasonality of your business. We do event planning and event rentals in the mountains of Colorado. So really our season only exists between June and the end of September. Because people are wanting to get married when it's warm right? That's yes. They don't want to get married in snow. There's currently still snow on the ground here where I live. <laughs> so when are you, so presumably you're not like collecting all the client money, like in June, right? You're collecting some of it when they're booking. So when would you say are the peak months for your actual revenue? Like when you're bringing the money in? Well, we collect a 50% deposit on everything for both the rentals and the planning. Uh -huh. So we actually bring in a percentage ahead of time. And then two weeks before each event, we get the remainder 50%. So it's really kind of an ongoing flow, although most of it's probably summer-based when the income's coming in. Okay. Do you have a peak booking season? Not really. No, okay. Not lately, not since COVID, because everyone's been <laughs> so like crazy about booking so early lately. <laughs> okay. So for you, I would just guess if we tracked all your revenue and made like a month-by-month li -month line chart, You'd probably have a surge in like June, July, August, September, and then the rest mm -hmm. of the months would be less, but like relatively steady since you don't have like a peak booking season. Does that sound about right? Yeah. I mean, probably like, I would say the peak is probably like January, February, March as well. So okay. yeah. Yes. So maybe two peaks. Yeah. That's what we see with most wedding folks. Cause a lot of people get engaged over the holidays. They book their book people January through March, and then they're getting married after that. So revenue-wise, the slow season for a lot of wedding people is Q4, like October, November, December. So it's going to be different for everybody. But the point of this system for someone like Stephanie would be that in those peak months, let's say January and February, and let's say June and July, let's say in her peak months, Stephanie makes $10,000. And let's say she transfers 50% of her money from here to here. She's transferring $5,000 per month into this bank account. And let's say Stephanie wants to pay herself $3,000 a month. Well, she's going to have more than enough money to do that, right? But now let's say Q4 rolls around. That's her slow season. And they're only making $5,000 a month. 
which means she's only transferring $2,500 a month from income into salary. She still wants to pay herself $3,000 a month. And she should be able to do that because she has a surplus of money in this bank account from saving that extra percentage during those peak season months. Does that make sense? I know it's a little conceptually difficult until you actually work out the math, which is what I do in my book. Um, but I think it's always funny to me because when I teach this concept, almost always the first question I get is, well, what if I'm in a seasonal business? It's hard for me to pay myself a set dollar amount every month. That's the entire point. Like that's the entire point of this system. Uh, even for me, I don't, I don't work like a wedding season, but summers tend to be our slower season. Like we anticipate these webinars to have a lower attendance than our fall webinars, simply because folks like Stephanie are pretty busy this time of year. Um, a lot of maybe some of you, we had any parents here, you have kids that are getting out of school soon. You're going to be on family vacations. We get it right. So we budget that when we do our, uh, when we do our annual forecasting and things. So something to keep in mind. All right. So the process, you want to automate some things, you want to manually allocate some things, and then you want to pay yourself a salary. So Brandy says, are we supposed to create an actual separate account or just designate it in our bookkeeping? Great question, Brandy. There's a few ways you can do it. Um, when we use Novo, they have something they call reserves. So it's not literal extra bank accounts. It's like folders or envelopes within your bank account, and it physically separates their money. Um, I believe the way there is a setup is if you accidentally overdraft your income account, it will just pull the money from one of your other accounts so you don't get penalized. But otherwise, it's not touched. Um, if you There are some other online bank accounts that have similar systems. A lot of them don't do automations, which is why I like Novo. If you go to a traditional bank account, then you would want to act actually open a physical separate bank account. Okay, That's one way to, to, to do it. Some other folks um, use YNAB for this. If you have used, if any of you know what YNAB is and you use it, great. It's called You Need a Budget, but it's really just a tool where you can like visually see the separation, but it's not like actually physically separating your money in any kind of way. I've tried it a few times. I can't really wrap my brain around YNAB, but I haven't spent that much time on it. Some people really, really like it, like Connie, I think. Do you, Connie, do you use, you use no, no, that was somebody else. All right. Kim says, is there a percentage that you suggest for a salary dedication? Yeah. So it depends. It depends. The um, Let me come off the share for a moment. So when it comes to your salary, there's a couple ways you can do it. First and foremost, think about how much money you actually need to pay your bills, right? So if you need to contribute $3,000 a month into your household, well, let's go for that if you can afford it, right? If not, you're going to work your way up to it. The second is we want to determine what your salary should be, assuming that you eventually want to have an S-corp. And then that's going to be like your salary goal to work up towards. So you got to do some math here, right? Because we're doing a percentage base. So you have to determine what your average monthly income would be and then determine the percentage based on your salary. It's kind of hard to explain just vocalizing it. Um, but usually I teach this with a lot of like concrete examples to kind of hammer at home. Um, oh, Fayana says that if YNAB is a lot, I use it, but I don't really like it. Some people love it. If any of you are interested, there's a lot of, uh, YouTube, a lot of YouTube videos on it out there. You can check out. All right. So to do's when it comes to this cash flow system, create your cash flow policy. Talk about that in a second and implement it into your finance Friday routine. So what is a cash flow policy? I call it a cash flow policy. It's literally just, it's, you can also think of it as an SOP. 
Do any of you use SOPs? Do you know what that acronym stands for? Now, I see a couple head nods. Okay, great. So SOP is a standard operating procedure and concept. It's pretty simple. It's literally just like a guide. It's a checklist, right? So for our Facebook group, for example, we have an SOP. Um, you know, you make sure the person answered the questions for the private Facebook group, copy and paste their email into our email service providers. So they get added to our email list. And then we send them a semi-custom welcome message. So Connie will copy and paste a pre-written welcome message to every new member. That's our SOP. So if Connie's ever out on vacation, we can just send that SOP to someone else on our team and they can do that task. Your cash flow policy is the same thing, but it's your SOP for how you do your tax allocations, how you pay yourself and when you do it. Why do we do this? Well, because it's hard to remember like eight steps, even after doing it for months and months. Anytime you have something that involves multiple steps, it's easier just to go through the list so you don't have to think about it. We all have to think about way too much throughout the day. Do, do your best to think about fewer things, right? <laughs> right. Save the brain power for, for what you need it for. All right. So question, how would you feel differently if you knew you had consistent payments coming in? So think about that for a second. How would it make you feel differently in your business if you knew you had consistent payments coming into your business? Well, actually, does anyone want to volunteer to answer this question to unmute yourself? I'm going to pick on one of you people earlier that said you really relate to the WTF happened in my money hamster wheel. Oh, finance Friday routine, Caleb. We'll talk about that one a little bit more too. So if you knew you had consistent payment, consistent payments coming in, would you do anything differently in your business or would it just make you feel differently? So think about that one. All right. This next question, I want to get some, I want to get some like real answers from everybody. What would you do if you had an extra $1,000 in your profit account? We didn't talk about that one, but we could also just think about this as a slush fund account. So we set up a second account just for spending. So it's literally there for you to spend money on and in your business. If you had an extra $1,000 right now, and I told you, you had to spend it in your business, what would you all do? I just hired a copywriter. Oh, you, you just hired a copywriter? Oh, congratulations. I just, I just, I just wrapped up a lawsuit. So I took a lot of money from that to invest in my business. Oh, nice. Okay. I mean, not nice that you had to file a lawsuit, but it's good that you have the money. Um, was that copywriter, is the copywriter for a specific project or just someone to write, write your ongoing emails? Um, it's to update my website. I wrote my website five or six years ago and suddenly forgot it. And it needs yeah. And we're also putting together a services booklet. Um, so there's a lot of marketing components added to the copywriting. Awesome. The more I, the longer I get in business, the more I understand the importance of messaging and copywriting. It's like marketing wise, we're all where you make all your money. Um, help with marketing and blog posts or a digital assistant. Great. Brandy says, get my company name trademarked. Okay, Brandy, you're going to email us when you're ready to do that, right? You're going to give us money to do that for you. Okay, great. We're excited to hear that. Um, I would update my equipment. Great. Bethany, what kind of equipment are we talking about? Let me know. These are fun things to think about. Trademarks, copyrights, and I'd print sample artwork to showcase at galleries and pop-up shops and farmer markets. Great. Love that. I got to tell you, it is nice once you can do those kind of things. I cannot tell you how much money I spent on DragCon this past weekend. So I went to RuPaul's DragCon, if any of you heard of that. 
It was great, but it was all a marketing expense. Put it on my credit card. It was fabulous. Um, hire a VA to handle admin stuff. Ayana, so jealous. Yes, if any of you are Drag Race fans, I got to hang out with Jada Essence Hall in our hotel bar because we stayed right across from the convention center and she was just great. Okay, I'm not going to read you this whole story, but this literal microphone I'm recording on right now was something I wanted, the essence of beauty. Yes, that's Jada's nickname. Um, I wanted this microphone for like a year, but I told myself I wasn't going to get it until I had a certain amount of money in my business spending account. And I finally got it. I was very excited. So the reason, the reason why we do this, the reason why we want to wait until we get a business savings to pay for certain things is so that we can focus on our personal goals. So buy off, buy off student loans, pay off student loans, uh, get a new car within the next year. This is a slide that I actually wrote um, a couple of years ago. I now have a new car. So it's pretty exciting to see that come full circle. Uh, save for a down payment on our next house so dogs can have the backyard they deserve. They do. I hear them coming out of the little doggy door um, out there back and forth. Behind, back here behind my office. And then a long-term goal of mine is to eat in pure Paris without looking at the menu prices because I love food. I love French food. And I want to go to some bougie, bougie ash restaurants and get some fine wine. Okay. So I'm curious, what personal goals do you all have? Because I want you to think about that type them out in the chat box. Because what we do is when we overspend on our business unintentionally, and we're on that hamster wheel, we're actually spending the money that should be going towards our personal goals, right? And so we have to we have to think about that. Okay, Madeline says, love Paris. Let me know what some of your personal goals are. Um, splurging and going to Noma in Denmark. Okay, I'll have to look that one up. Um, newly remodeled bathroom. Yes, yes. May I recommend a wall-mounted uh, hardwired towel warmer in your new bathroom? A luxury splurge, necessary splurge. Travel adventures with my kids. Okay, great. Uh, Caleb says, work for myself remotely anywhere and travel to everywhere on my bucket list. Oh yeah, for a lot of people, like your personal goal might just be to save enough money so that you can quit a job that you don't want to work in anymore, if that relates to any of you. Waking up and being in control of my time, love it. Uh, I want to be able to add a vacation account to my savings, not dread the cost of going to friends' weddings. Uh, Emily can't relate. I don't have any friends, so I haven't been to a wedding in years. Actually, I'm going to my first wedding in like three years in, I think, September. So go back to Europe, uh, open up destination weddings. Okay, those are all fabulous. And I want to see you hit all those goals. So thoughts from Allie. Allie says, I'm mind blown at how brilliant the suggested cash flow system is. I can't even put into words how much this has helped me and ease my mind. I truly feel like a legit business after implementing the this bank account system. Allie is actually now my graphic designer. It kind of feels like I, I bought this testimonial from her, but she actually sent this to me before I started paying her money. So it's legit, I promise. And then Amanda, owner of the Sassy Little Bee. Um, Amanda had back taxes when she started working with us. And she said, I checked all my accounts after not looking at them for a bit. And for the first time ever, holy shit, where'd all this money come from? There's more in my tax account than I would have realized. It's the unfucking, it's working. Okay, so, oh, someone said, my 11-year-old son plays hockey as a family. We want to go watch every hockey team in their arena, and I want to be able to travel with him and pursue his dreams. That is beautiful. Got I do not envy all of you kids, uh, all of you parents with kids in travel sports, because that shit is expensive. I know. 
I can't uh, totally get that. I always wished I could have played travel tennis when I was little. And now as an adult, I'm like looking at tennis club prices. I'm like, oh, okay. This all makes sense now. This all makes sense now. All right. Three, doing, this is mistake number three, doing the bookkeeping bare minimum. So do we all have a bookkeeping system? This is a safe space. You can say no. You can tell us no in the chat box if you don't have a system yet. So bookkeeping, simply logging your income and your expenses, right? That's all bookkeeping really is. So hopefully, um, okay, so we have a yes and a no and a no and a yes, uh, QuickBooks Online and a couple more no's. That's okay. We got you. This is why we're here. So if you don't have a system, you got, you got to get one because why? Well, first of all, you have to for tax return purposes. Bree, can we ever file tax returns if we don't have bookkeeping done? Unless you want to pay for all of that income without taking out any of the expenses, then absolutely we can, but then you're yeah. leaving money on the table. That's a good point. If you just look at your Stripe account and you tell us I made $60,000 this year, but you've done, done none bookkeeping, you've done no bookkeeping, you're going to pay tax on $60,000 when you probably spent 10, 20, 30, or if you're really on that hamster wheel we're talking about, you spent $60,000 on your business and you shouldn't be paying any taxes because we all, we get deductions for all that. So we have to have our tax or our bookkeeping done. All right. So question for everybody, let's talk offers. What do you sell? First of all, do you all know what I mean? Um, oh, Tiffany says I have to run to prep for a meeting with a bookkeeper. Yeah, we'll send the recording, Tiffany. Enjoy your meeting. So do you all know what I mean when I say offers? Do you all know what an offer is? It's like something that you sell. So if you're a wedding planner, your offer could be like wedding management and full service planning, right? If you're an artist, it could be like custom commission work or prints. So these are our various offers. So tell me, um, who wants to, can I get a volunteer? Marsha, do you want to volunteer? What are your offers if you want to unmute yourself? Sure. I offer uh, wedding management and full service wedding planning. Oh, great. Okay. That was perfect because this is like what I introduced us with. <laughs> um, all right. So... Marsha, do you have any idea what your profit margin is on those offers? Profit. Um, I take, I take out 10%. So, and that's, I've been doing that for a year. I've been doing profit first for a year and it's been working. I've been able to do 40% for expenses, 40% mm -hmm. for salary and then 10% profit and then 10% taxes. But I'm yeah. thinking more like which of your offers is more profitable. So oh. presumably you charge a lot more money for full service planning, right? Yes. Yes. But if you have um, to think about like, let's say, which one do you think more you make more per hour doing? Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's a tough one, right? Because if you're in a service-based yeah. business, you have to be able to track your time for all of that. So this is kind of what we're getting into. If I if I told you all, so let's say I sold this book, my profit margin on this book was $20 and my profit margin on this book was $10, which book would we want to sell more of? Like the one with the $20 profit margin, right? The only way we can really figure that out is if we track all of our expenses. So for some kind of offers and some business models, it's going to be a lot easier to figure that out. For other ones, it's going to be a lot more difficult. What we can do though, Marsha, is for you, do you have day of assistance or associates or both? I do day of assistance. Yeah. Day of assistance. And do you have anyone on your team that helps you do the planning? 
No, I do the planning. I just have, I have a social media manager that I okay. do pay for. So, yeah. So as your company starts to grow, you might have to hire folks to help you do the planning. Uh, and once you do that, it'll be a little bit easier. It's, I mean, it, it will, and it won't be easier because you have more stuff to track, right? But if you right. have your team members track their hours based on the scope of work they do. So like with Bree, Bree does bookkeeping for our clients. We have Bree tracker hours per client. And then I can essentially see how much I'm paying Bree for each client and then how much money I make for each client. If I have all that well sorted in my bookkeeping, I can see my profit margins. And then that might tell me, okay, our wedding planning clients are pretty low maintenance, but our product-based clients are very high maintenance. And that one's just kind of common sense because they're selling a lot more stuff. We have a lot more to track. Um, but in some circumstances, you're not going to see that stuff unless you really dive into your bookkeeping. So we already talked about peak seasons as well. This is something to keep in mind. Some of you might not really know what your peak seasons are. Like I didn't really find out the summers were my slow season until I really started paying a lot more attention to my bookkeeping. And now I know that um, October, November, and December are always really good months for me, probably because a lot of our audience is in their slow season. So they have more time to work with us. Uh, and then the new year is always a really good season for me as well, because y'all are trying to get your taxes done and you want to pay us to help you, right? Now tax season's kind of over. People don't really want to think about it, but you all are smart because you probably realized maybe tax season didn't go so great. So you want it to go better next time. So now you're here or maybe you're here for a different reason. I don't know, but we're happy you're here either way. So bookkeeping serves two goals, tax compliance and decision-making. So let's take a look. Oh, we're going to skip that part because we're running a little further behind of where I wanted to be. All right. So to do, set up your bookkeeping, implement it into your Finance Friday routine. So someone asked earlier what a Finance Friday routine is. Um, it's simply a routine. Uh, it's another SOP, essentially. So every Friday, I send and pay invoices. I look at my um, credit card statements and bank statements. I look basically to see how much money I'm spending. And I do my bookkeeping. I do all my finance stuff every Friday. It helps keep me on top of things. The more you do or the more often you do it, the less of a hassle it's going to be. You don't want to do your bookkeeping at the end of the year when you go to file your taxes. Why? Because it's too late to make any decisions, right? If you see some numbers that are telling you that you need to change something in your business, we need to be looking at them often enough to actually make those changes. So hopefully that makes sense. So we're going to skip this one. If you all have questions at the end about the S-Corp stuff, we can circle back to it, but we make it a bonus because it's here if we have time. Sometimes I get long-winded or just have too many slides. So ask yourself, do you also have, uh, do you have solid business insurance, a solid contract, an LLC for protection, a plan to potentially scale into an S-Corp if it makes sense for you? Um, this is a really fun quote from Karen, a former student of ours. She said, first, I use LegalZoom for her LLC. They give you all these options. I kind of felt like when I go to the mechanic, right? And they tell you, oh, your car needs this and this, and you don't really know if you need it or if you can wait or if you can do it yourself. It was like the same type of anxiety. So I felt like I paid a lot of money for a service and opted into things I didn't need. Uh, does anyone relate to that when they go to the car mechanic and they give you like this full list of shit you need to fix? And I would literally tell them, I'm like, okay, but which one is like dangerous if I don't fix it? Like, I'll pay for that. I'll pay for those, that stuff, right? Same thing when it comes to your legal formation. Like, what do you need to do and what's overkill? So mistake number four relates to this. And it's not 
owning the CEO role in your business. If I've learned anything from working with hundreds of business owners, it's that you can't rely 100% on third parties. Otherwise, you're going to have some mistakes that we'll talk about. So are you properly licensed? Do you have all these things? So take a minute to look through these. And if you have questions on them, note it down. And we can talk about it during the Q&A portion. Give myself a pause to drink more coffee. All right. So Emily, uh, Emily, another former student said it's important, super important for me to understand these concepts, because even if you have to outsource these tasks, which eventually we all would like to do, you need to know that the people you're hiring are doing the things that they should be doing. I'm paraphrasing here, because if you're 100% trusting other people, it's a lot of blind trust, and it is a big risk. So what do you all already outsource? Let me know in the comments, what are you already outsourcing in your business, if anything? anything we're outsourcing. Social media, beautiful. Printing on demand. Oh, great. Awesome. Awesome. Administrative task automated with Zapier. Oh, that's great. Liz, that was a, that was a, a good answer. Your outsourcing is using um, tech, right? A virtual assistant for social media admin tasks. Great. All right, what would you like to answer? So make sure you're hiring the right type of worker for the right role. Um, we'll talk about, we can talk about that more later too. What would you like to outsource that you haven't outsourced already? So think about that one. What's next on the list? And then make sure that you just classify them appropriately, which is what my second note was for there. Okay, so stories from students. Um, Chassis story is that she used an online filing service to do her LLC rather than just doing it herself. And she ended up having her bank account levied for like $3,500 for four years worth of back franchise taxes. We actually see this happen a lot. So if you use an online filing service, just don't. But if you do, if you do make sure you know what your compliance obligations are. And then we had Amber, whose accountant uh, failed to file her tax return. She ended up having back taxes. I don't post this slide to like shit on uh, other tax repairers. It's simply because it happens, right? Like we have a lot of clients. Occasionally we forget to send a follow-up to a client and we kind of rely on our client just to say like, hey, um, when's the, what's the ETA on the tax return? And then we can say, oh yeah, let's get that. Let's get that up to date real quick. So even with the best of intentions, you have to know just enough to make sure the people you're hiring are getting the stuff done on time. All right, so let's skip these couple. So would you like for me to teach you how to fully implement the cash flow system, legally solidify your business and become the CEO of your growing company? Hopefully, yes. While you're here, I'm making some assumptions. You showed up today, even though you're busy for a specific reason, you may be feeling overwhelmed because advice on Facebook is trash, Googling is a rabbit hole and the IRS website is unreadable. Can anyone relate to that one? Have you ever tried to read anything on the IRS website? Yeah, it's a nightmare. Do you feel stressed because taxes are a mystery and you have no idea how they work or WTF is happening to the money coming in from your clients? Yes. Do you feel unsure about your contract terms, business licenses, and legal protections? Option one, you don't make a plan to learn what you need to learn and you continue feeling unsure, stressed, and overwhelmed. Or option two, you 100% commit to learning the fundamentals in order to become the CEO of your growing business. Uh, which of these do you prefer, option one or option two? 
You said you worked as a paralegal for 20 years and still don't fully understand legalese. That's okay. It's like a whole language in and of itself. All right. So we got one option, two person. I gave you all a very obvious choice. It's We would call this a pretty leading question, right? In the legal field. So hopefully we're all in option two territory here. All right. So if you would like my help, I officially would like to welcome you into our signature program, Unfuck Your Biz, a step-by-step -step framework to get your legal and tax shit legit. This is a program we ran for four cycles a couple of years ago. It took a little bit of a hiatus and now it has come back. So this is the first time we have uh, launched this to the public since spring of, when was that? 2021, since spring of 2021. So we would love to have you join. Uh, I'm going to spend about the next five minutes sharing with you, sharing about the program with you all. And then we're going to do Q&A after that. So my promise to you, if you attend the calls, go through the course and do your work by the end of this nine week program, you will have your business formed. If you need to form it, business licenses in hand, have your cash flow system set up and you'll know what you need to do month to month and year to year to keep your business legally protected and tax compliant. So how does that sound everybody? Bold promise, but we cover a lot. Crystal says in the past year, I've spent about $10,000 on coaches and courses for my business. Braden's program was easily the most impactful and best value. I got so much out of it. That was voluntarily provided to me, that testimonial. I promise it wasn't a bribe. Okay. So by the end of this program, you'll have your legal layers of protection in order, allowing you to grow your business with uh, confidently tax and cash flow systems dialed in so you can pay yourself and your taxes on the regular and you'll have confidence to be the CEO of your growing business so you know who to hire and when if they're getting the job done well. So while I can't make guarantees, my experience shows that most students can save what they've paid for the program in taxes and tax penalties. When we couple that with potential savings from sticky legal issues, it's a hell of a value in my personal opinion. So this is the framework we go through. Part one, account. This is where we do all of your bookkeeping. So if you don't already have a bookkeeping solution, we're gonna give you one, either a spreadsheet um, or Brie actually created a QuickBooks course for us that's included for our students. So we'll recommend which of the two you should use and then teach you how to set it up. Part two, you're gonna determine how much you should be saving for taxes. You'll learn more about taxes than you ever thought you needed to learn in your entire life, I promise. Part three, um, unfuck. This is where we handle back tax issues. We talk about installment agreements, how to get caught up, business formation mistakes, like if you formed your business in the wrong state or done anything else, and contractor or worker misclassification. So do you need to have employees? Did someone mistakenly tell you you could have contractors? What does that look like? Part four, layers. This is where we get into insurance, contracts, trademarks, and copyrights. You will not, just to be clear, you will not learn how to file your own trademark in the program. We do not recommend that, that but you will learn if you need one, uh, and then you can hire us to do that. A lot of the other elements you can uh, DIY in the program. Part five, LLC, S-Corp, and sole prop formation. And then part six is where we wrap it all up with that cash flow system we talked about earlier. So this is the action plan. If any of you are genuinely curious in the course, you can feel free to screenshot this because I'm not going to go through it line by line. Essentially, all I want you to know is we're going to start um, in a, about a week. We're going to take this two-week break around the July 4th holiday, uh, and then we're going to wrap up um, after that for a couple of weeks. So I know a lot of people are worried like because they're going to be traveling in this time. Don't worry. We are too. Uh, we're going to build it in. 
So is your program for a specific type of business? I'm in the pro process of setting up a private practice offering nutrition counseling. Will your program be appropriate for me? Yes, absolutely. So we, we work with all kinds of service providers. The only people I typically wouldn't recommend is, you know, like if you have a construction, like I had a friend who's starting a construction company and is getting like a million dollars of investment to start it, like probably go hire an attorney and an accountant and like a whole team of people in that case. But if you're here, I'm going to take a leap and say, if you're here on this webinar and you found me, you're probably a good fit for the program. But if you have specific questions, you can let me know. Um, yes, it is specific to the U.S. If you work with a lot of U.S. clients, it would be helpful, but we don't teach like can Canadian uh, corporate formation. Okay. So you get access to the full six-part framework of the program, $2,000 value. Uh, bonus number one is the resource roundup with all of our tutorial videos and bookkeeping courses. That's a $500 value because we could you know, easily sell our QuickBooks course for that, most likely. Uh, bonus number two, a tax prep preferred rate. So this is the nice thing. You go through our program, you're going to have all of your numbers set up. And you'll be well situated to file your own taxes next year if you want to. But if you don't want to, you don't have to. You can hire us to do it. And we give all of our students a preferred client rate. Why? Because you make our lives a lot easier because it's easier for us to file your taxes when you've unfucked your business. Yeah, it's a lot less of a headache. Uh, bonus number three, that should be changed. Uh, weekly live program support. It's like next level. And what I mean by that is we have Connie here. She's your student success coordinator. You can message her with questions throughout the program. Um, I do a weekly Q&A. Bree, our bookkeeper and tax repairer, does office hours every Friday on Voxer. So once you're doing your bookkeeping, if you're not sure how to classify something, you just message Bree and she'll get back to you. We also have two new attorneys on the team as well who will be supporting me with the legal aspects of the program. Uh, and then you get a copy of our ebook, which serves as our textbook in the program. If you'd like a hard copy, you can buy one as well, but you'll get an ebook and a Google Doc version. So some quick math, total value, $3,770. I know a lot of these webinars, people just, you know, really inflate these values. They say the program's like 20,000. I think this one's pretty fair. In fact, I've had a lot of business coaches tell me this should be a $5,000 program. And I always tell them no, because like, then you just like hire someone to do all of this, right? I want to teach you all how to do this. Uh, and in order to do so, I need to make it a fair price point. And I think $1,000 is a beautiful, wonderful price point for everybody. So that is the actual cost of the program. We have a payment plan as well. So if you all are interested in joining us, you can go to unfuckyourbiz.com and sign up. We have a live sign-up bonus. If any of you decide to join the program while you're live um, on this webinar, on this masterclass before we hit end, then we're going to send you our bonus textbook. Now, I have ordered it. It's not here yet, so I don't have it to show you, but it's going to look like this little book. So this is a book we have. It has all of our guides and supplements, uh, and it's just a nice little printout. If you don't get this bonus, you don't sign, sign up live, you'll have the PDF version. Stephanie says, are there other session dates available? So Stephanie, we will launch again in November. So we typically launch the program twice a year. So if you don't join us this time, we'll be uh, doing it in November. But let me know if you're concerned about joining this time 
what your concern is. If it's financial in nature, we understand that. I don't ever encourage anyone to like forego bills to join our program. But if it's a time commitment that you're worried about or anything else, uh, we have a lot of time. Okay, Stephanie says time. So what we do in the program is we do our Q&As every week. If you can't make them, you can submit questions to us. We record the Q&As. You can watch them back. Uh, and then we have a lot of support as well. Some folks will go through the program and they'll just listen to our audiobook and then they'll attend the Q&A so they can get all the information that they need. And then after the program's over, they'll take a couple more months to implement and like actually do the bookkeeping and the LLC formation. So that's what we recommend if people are short on time. Okay, great. Mariah, welcome to the program. Uh, very excited to have you. Welcome. Um, how much time should we spend weekly in the program? So great question. If you're implementing everything as you go, um, I budget about three hours. So two hours to go through the program content and then one hour for the Q&A. So these are all of our former students we told you about earlier. If they can do it, you can do it too. So how to sign up, go to, uh, well, that's the wrong link. Go to unfuckyourbiz.com. Connie, can you make a running list of everything I need to change in these slides, please? I went through them like three times and we still have some stuff. So um, unfuckyourbiz.com, choose your plan. So we have pay in full, or you can join for three payments of $350. So that would start today. And then you would be billed the consecutive two months. Um, complete your checkout, log in, check your email. And then you're going to get started by watching our welcome video inside of the program. We have 100 plus graduates who've gone through the 1.0 program, 1.0 version of this program. And we are excited to welcome those of you at this newest cohort and uh, at our founding members rate, which we talked about. So that is it for our presentation. If you have any questions about the program or you're on the fence, I would love it if some of you would ask, uh, say, I'm on the fence because let us know what's potentially stopping you from joining. I promise I'm not going to sell any of you if I really don't think it's a good fit. Uh, but if you want to be convinced as to why you should join, I'm happy to do that. And then after that, I'd be happy to dive into any tax and legal questions you have as well. So I know some of you have some questions. What questions do we have? Yeah, Caleb, you're welcome. Yes. Yeah. So let me pop it in. I know Connie's probably already on it, but let me type it in real quick. Unfuckyourbiz.com. And I don't know why, but Zoom like never does hyperlinks, which I find kind of irritating. So, you know, and in the other chat, you'd be able to click on that. And it also doesn't let you copy paste, but there it is. Yeah, Mariah, we are excited to have you. Hopefully you already got your login and e email with all of the details. Uh, and we'll be excited to have you join us. All right, any other questions? Ali says, I'm pivoting in my business. I had a successful freelance writing business and pulled back to pivot to content strategy. So I'm making very little right now while I pivot. It feels like it could be reckless to join right now when I'm hardly bringing in any income. Maybe better to wait until November when I get rolling. Okay, yeah, Ali, that's a financial decision for you to make. Um, it's funny because I talked to my friends about this and I'm like, if I just wanted to be a really good salesperson, I probably wouldn't teach the what the fuck happened to my money hamster wheel. Because <laughs> I'm kind of priming a lot of you to be really cognizant in your finances. But at the same time, it's like, well, 
I'm not going to be giving you all the solution that you need in the program if we're wrecking your bank account before you even join the program. On the flip side of that, I will say that we need to really seriously consider our business investments and talk about our priorities. And unfortunately, I do think that the topic that I teach takes a backseat a lot more often than it should. Should people get really excited to spend money on their website and their marketing and their branding and all the fuck sexy fun things uh, when they get started in their business. And really, that's why we teach a program called Unfuck Your Biz, because a lot of people don't do this when they get started. And they have to come to us later when they mess things up. So um, just keep that in mind. The earlier you do it in your business, the easier it is going to be um, to set up and really the less time intensive because we don't have to do as, as much untangling. It's a lot easier to set up your bookkeeping when you have 10 transactions a month than it is when you have 200. Trust me. All right. If anyone else has any questions, you can feel free to um, unmute yourself and we can just have a dialogue, which would be fun. Uh, yeah, Michelle says, thank you for the contract vault. We've now rebranded that to the contract club. You are very much welcome. Um, Allie, you are welcome as well. A lot of food for thought. Um, you're off to go meet a client deadline. Totally get it. Thanks for joining us. Bye, 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 bye. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording, but we're going to stay on um, if anyone wants to ask questions or join um, in order to get that fast action bonus we mentioned. Hey there, before you go, I wanted to give a quick thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you loved it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode or snap a quick selfie while you are listening. Share it on social and give me a tag. It'll help other kick-ass entrepreneurs like yourself find the show. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Meanwhile, let's roll up our sleeves and unfuck that biz.